Chapter Number Two of Regiment of Women. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Regiment of Women by Clemence Dane. Chapter Two. Miss Wigers hurried along to the upper third classroom. She straightened her jersey and patted her netted hair as she went, much in the manner of a countryman squaring for a fight opened the door, after a tap so rudimentary as to be inaudible to those within, and entered aggressively, the light of battle in her eye. To her amazement and annoyance, her entry was entirely unnoticed. The entire class had deserted its desks and was cluttered round the rostrum, where Alvin Durand, looking flushed and excited and prettier than a schoolmistress had any business to be, was talking fast and eagerly she had a little stick in her hand which she was using as a conductor's baton emphasizing with it the points of the story she was evidently telling a map and some portraits were pinned to the blackboard beside her and the children's heads were grouped three and four together over pictures apparently taken from the open portfolio lying before her on the desk but their eyes were on miss durand and the varying yet intent attitudes gave the collective effect of an audience at a melodrama they were obviously and breathlessly interested, and the occasional quick crackle of question and answer merely accentuated the tension. Once, as Alvin paused a moment, her stick hovering uncertainly over the map, a child, with a little wriggle of impatience, piped up. We'll find it afterwards. Oh, go on, Miss Durand, please, go on. And Alvin, equally absorbed, went on and the class hung upon her words. The listener was outraged. Children were to be allowed to give orders, to leave their places, to be obviously and hugely enjoying themselves in school hours, and the whole pack of them due elsewhere. She had never witnessed so disgraceful a scene. Her dry precision shivered at Alvin's coruscating adjectives. It is not to be denied that Alvin, at that period of her career, was lax and lavish in speech, altogether fond of conceits and superlatives. She cut airily into the lecture. Miss Durand, are you aware of the time? Alvin jumped, and the class jumped with her. It was curious to watch that which, but a moment before, had been one absorbed collective personality suddenly disintegrating into Lottie's and Marie's and Sylvia's, shy, curious, impish, or indifferent, after their kind. Miss Weiger's presence intimidated. Each peeping personality retired snail-like into its school-girl shell with a curious yet distinct consciousness of guilt they edged away from the two women huddling sheepishly together watching and waiting inimical to the disturber of their enjoyment but distinctly doubtful as to whether daffy in the encounter that they knew quite well was imminent would be able to hold her own but miss durand was self-possessed she looked down at miss weigers from her high seat and gave a natural little laugh Oh, Miss Wikers, how you startled me. I'm sorry. I've been endeavoring to attract your attention for some moments. Are you aware of the time? Alvin glanced at the clock. The hand stood at an impossible hour. There, she remarked penitently. It stopped again. She smiled at the class, all ears and interest. One of your children will just have to remind me. Helen? No, you do the chalks already. Millicent, 
she singled out a dreamy child who was taking surreptitious advantage of the interruption to pour over the pictures that had slid from the desk to the floor of the rostrum milly your head's a sieve too will you undertake to remind me each time i have to be reminded in goes a penny to the mission and each time you forget to remind me you do the same it'll do us both good and if you both forget the rest of the class must pull us up the little girl nodded serious and important alvin turned to henrietta excuse me vince Migers. were you waiting to speak to me i'm afraid we're in rather a muddle children pick up those pictures at least helen and milly go back to your desks the rest of you and then to henrietta again i suppose the gong will go in a minute she was being courteous but she was implying quite clearly that she considered the interruption of her lesson unnecessary henrietta's eyes snapped the twelve fifteen gong went a long time ago miss durant it's nearly one miss hartle wishes to know what has happened to her class my hat murmured alvin appalled it was the most rudimentary murmur a mere movement of the lips but henrietta caught it justifiably she detested slang she stiffened yet more but alvin was continuing with depreciating gestures this is dreadful i'm awfully sorry miss weigers but you know we never heard the gong not a sound are you sure it rang this to henrietta who never slackened her supervision of the relays of prefects responsible for the ever punctual gong but alvin had no eye for detail she continued agitatedly unconscious of offence but of course i must go and explain to miss hartle at once children get your things together and go straight to the lowest second i'll come with you miss weigers i am so sorry it was entirely my fault of course but we none of us heard the gong but as she spoke and the girls attentive and curious obediently gathered up their belongings and piled into the passage the gong audible enough to any one less absorbed than alvin and her class had been boomed for its last time that morning the prolonged boom that was a signal for the day girls to go home the children dispersed hurriedly and alvin was left alone with henrietta alvin was grave distinctly distressed i must go and explain to miss hartle at once she repeated making for the door you needn't trouble yourself henrietta called after her miss hartle went home half an hour ago the irrepressible note of gratification in her voice startled alvin she turned and faced her i don't understand you said she was waiting when i left her she had been waiting over half an hour she told me that she should do so no longer miss hartle is not accustomed to be kept waiting while the junior mistresses amuse themselves alvin raised her eyebrows and regarded her carefully did miss hartle ask you to tell me that are you her messenger she asked blandly the last sentence had enlightened her at any rate as to miss weiger's personal attitude to herself she was perfectly aware that she had been guilty of grass carelessness that if miss hartle chose she could make it a serious matter for her but for the moment her apprehensive regrets as well as her profound sense of the apology due to the formidable miss hartle were shriveled in the white heat of her anger at the tone henrietta weigers was permitting herself she was as much hurt as horrified by the revelation of an antipathy she had been unconscious of exciting it was the first experience of gratuitous ill-will 
she rebelled hotly incapable of analyzing her emotion indifferent to the probable consequences of a defiance of the older woman but passionately resolved that she would not allow any one alive to be rude to her and henrietta amazed at the veiled rebuke of her manner also lost her temper miss hartle and i were overwhelmed by such an occurrence do you realize what you're doing miss durand you gave the children away from their lesson you altered the school time table to suit your convenience without a remark or warning or apology i've told you already that i didn't hear the gong interrupted alvin between courtesy and impatience she was trying hard to control herself that is nonsense everybody hears the gong you didn't choose to hear it i suppose anyhow i feel it my duty to tell you that such behavior will not be tolerated miss durant in this or any school it is not your place to make innovations i was horrified just now when i came in the classroom littered about with pictures and papers the children not in their places allowed to interrupt and argue i never heard of such a thing alvin's chin went up Excuse me, Miss Wigers, but I hardly see that it is your business to criticize my way of teaching. I am speaking to you for your own good, said Henrietta. That is kind of you, but if you speak to me in such a tone, you cannot expect me to listen. Henrietta hesitated. Miss Durand, you are new to the school. That gives you no right to be rude to me. Henrietta took a step towards her. Rude? And you? I consider you insolent. Ever since you came to the school, you have been impossible. You go your own way, teach in your own way. I do as I am told, said Alvin sharply. In your own way? You neither ask nor take advice. At any rate, Miss Marsham is satisfied with me. She told me so last week. She felt it undignified to be justifying herself, but she feared that silent contempt would be lost on Miss Wigers. Also, such an attitude was not easy to Alvin. She had a tongue. When she was angry, the brutal effectiveness of Billingsgate must always tempt her. Henrietta countered coldly. I'm sorry that I shall be obliged to undeceive her. That is, unless you apologize. To Miss Hartle? Certainly. I intend to. I hope I know when I'm in the wrong. To me. To you? <laughs> cried Alvin with a little high-pitched laugh. If you tell me what for? in miss marsham's absence i take her place began henrietta miss hartill i was told did that you're mistaken the younger mistresses come to me for orders i shall be the exception then i'm not a housemaid will you let me get to my desk please miss wigers i want my books she brushed past henrietta cheeks flaming chin in the air and opened her desk the secretary for all her anger hesitated uncertainly she was unused to opposition, and had been accustomed to allow herself a great license of speech than she knew. Alvin's instant resentment, for all its crude young insolence, was, she realized, to some extent justified. She had, she knew, exceeded her powers, but she had not stopped to consider whether Alvin would know that she had done so, or, knowing, have the courage to act upon that knowledge. She had been staggered by the girl's swift counter-attack, and was soon wishing that she had left her alone, but she had gone too far to retreat with dignity. Also, she had by no means regained control of her temper. I can only report you to Miss Marsham, she remarked lamely to Alvin's back. Alvin turned. You needn't trouble. If Miss Hartill doesn't, I shall go to her myself. You? 
said Henrietta uneasily. Why? cried Alvin, flaming out at her. Do you think I'm afraid of you? Do you think I'm going to stand this sort of thing? I know I was careless, and I am sorry. I'm going straight down to Miss Hartle to tell her so. And if she slangs me, it's all right. And if Miss Marsham slangs me, it's all right. She's the head of the school. But I won't be slanged by you. You are rude and interfering, and I shall tell Miss Marsham so. Shaking with indignation, she slammed down the lid of her desk and with her head held high and a dignity that a friendly word would have dissolved into tears, walked out of the classroom. End of chapter 2